0: Thank you for tuning into the Pictures of Lily podcast. I'm your host, Lily Moieri. I've been a music journalist since 1992 and I interview a lot of music related people. This podcast is about my experience behind the story, my experience doing the interviews, just to give you a snapshot of what it's like on the other side of the digital recorder. Pictures of Lily. Thank you, everyone, for tuning into the Pictures of Lily podcast. This is landmark episode 40. Honestly, I'm surprised that we've kept up the podcast so regularly, but your feedback is positive, so we stay motivated, and we thank you for that. You can find us on every platform by going to picturesoflily.com, where you can subscribe or follow us, and also connect to us on SoundCloud, YouTube, Pandora, and Amazon, although it's really best to listen to the podcast straight from the source at picturesoflily.com, as it is the best quality audio without any copyright restrictions. In this episode, I talk about my recent experience interviewing Nancy Wilson in the context of her band Heart's Impact on My Life Growing Up. You. Here are a few snapshots of my experience with Nancy Wilson and Heart. I didn't become aware of Heart until 1986, even though they've been around since before I was born. They were all over MTV, but I didn't like them. They didn't fit into any of the musical styles I liked before, disco, pop, and new wave, and what I was getting into, which was heavy metal. It could be argued that Heart, in fact, fit into at least two of those categories, but I just didn't like them. At the same time, I couldn't get their songs out of my head. Even so, they still had a large impact in my mindset, the same way the Go-Go's did and the Bangles and Chrissy Hind of The Pretenders and Joan Jett and Susie Quattro, and any other female musician who played an instrument on stage. Seeing these women throughout all my growing up years put women on the same footing as men in my mind. I didn't even think about the fact that they were women. To me, it was just very commonplace and nothing out of the ordinary. I don't know if that was what they experienced, but these women being in that position made seeing them seem normal and also aspirational to a certain degree, particularly women like Alana Curry of the Thompson Twins. When I interviewed Nancy recently about her new album for Spin, this is what she told me about that. Being as young as we were when we started out was really key to feeling like no matter what our gender was, it was okay to be competent with the rock job. On the last few big heart tours, these women come to the meet and greets and it's such an emotional reveal. So many of them say, I would have never picked up a guitar if I hadn't seen you do that, or I wouldn't have been brave enough to try it. A lot of people were not at all encouraged to think that they could do that. That still surprises me to this day. So many women have such low self-esteem or lack the confidence to make a big stand about what their bliss is all about. In my 20s, there were fewer and fewer women like Nancy Wilson in music, and more women like Britney Spears. But really, it was mainly all dudes in bands for a long time until more recent years, and I got used to seeing that. This is what Nancy told me about how this downturn happened. In the 80s, there was a setback for women because there was such an objectifying atmosphere around the imaging. There's a cool documentary I got to be a part of called I Want My MTVs about how it got more and more and more hypersexualized and less and less cool. It set women back at least 10 years. We were ready to be mind-expanded and come into a whole new era where we were strong and big and out front. You see it now, a bunch of cool girls doing their songs and writing and playing and being the leaders, like Phoebe Bridgers and even Taylor Swift. That's beautiful work. The climate is now correct for women to step up to the plate and take hold again. What I do remember about Nancy in the 80s was that all the guys I knew said she shredded on the guitar and also that she was super hot. She still shreds and she is still super hot. We did our interview on Zoom and she had just finished yoga and had her hair in two pigtails and she looked adorable. She looked just like she did in Fast Times at Ridgemont High, where she had a cameo as the girl in the convertible who Brad is flirting with until he realizes she's laughing at him because he's wearing his Captain Hook's pirate uniform while he's delivering food. This is how I started my article on her as well. Ring them bells, ring them bells. One of the things I didn't realize was how involved Nancy and her sister Anne, Hart's primary vocalist, were in the early Seattle grunge scene. The Wilson sisters are originally from Seattle and they went right back there after they were off touring with Hart. Nancy's childhood friend Kelly Curtis managed Pearl Jam and Mother Love Bone and Mookie Blaylock before that. Kelly brought Nancy and Anne to meet the guys, which turned out to be all the guys and all the seminal Seattle bands at the time. Not only Pearl Jam, but Soundgarden, Screaming Trees, and even Nirvana. This is what Nancy told me about that time. When we got back to Seattle after the 80s, we thought, these guys are going to think we're corporate sellout dinosaur posers from MTV. We did big bombastic videos that came off like everything we thought those grunge-era guys were pushing against. We were really tiptoeing home saying, don't hate us, don't hate us, maybe we're has-beens, you guys are the cool new thing but they were really sweet to us. I guess they forgave us for the 80s." Nancy said they formed a cool Seattle art community and that Jerry Cantrell from Alice in Chains immediately asked her to show him the beginning of the heart song, Mistral Winds. They would all come to Anne's house because she lived in town in an old mansion that was painted yellow, which they called Old Yeller, or to Nancy's farmhouse when she was living outside of Seattle in a place called Woodenville. Nancy was very grounded when I was speaking to her and her husband kept on walking back and forth, opening doors and cabinets, just having a regular afternoon at home. The more I talked to her, the more I realized she came from a very stable family home and still had a lot of attachment to her parents, who are deceased, and to her family now, both the twin sons she had with her ex-husband Cameron Crowe and her blended family with her husband now. The title track of Nancy's album, You and Me, is one she wrote with another childhood friend, Sue Ennis, who also co-wrote a lot of the big heart songs. The song is about their mothers, who were also friends. And I mentioned how great it is to hear about your parents or any loved ones who have passed from the perspective of a different person who also knew them. Your own memories are just on repeat, but hearing other people's memories is just so great. Nancy was telling me that Kelly, who managed Pearl Jam, was her best friend from when they were twelve. They were part of a forward-thinking youth group called the Human Potential Movement. And Nancy's mom and dad were counselors there where they encouraged teenagers to talk about what was really on their minds and how they were feeling. This kind of thing is common nowadays, but back then it was very progressive. Kelly had a bad home situation so he grew closer and closer to Nancy's mother and considered her more his mom than his own mother. Nancy said a lot of her friends gravitated toward her family and that their home became a crash pad for a lot of her young friends, but that the trust issue was the all-important factor of this situation. Nancy's mom also ran the Hart fan club as a way to pay Nancy back for the house Nancy bought her. Nancy didn't want her to pay anything back, but it made her mom feel like she was earning her keep. This is what Nancy told me about that. I made her the head of the fan club. This was before tech, so she was answering fan letters on Hart letterhead with an assistant. They'd have lunch once a week and talk about the fans. Even after she was gone, some people would turn up at the shows with these letters she had personally written to them. When I asked Nancy how they avoided getting caught up in the excesses of the 80s, she gave credit to her family again. This is what she told me. We were really cautious because we were determined to do a good job. We were not going to flake out and be five hours late or cancel like a lot of the bands at the time. We were trying to keep ourselves on time and on point. No matter how bad you felt the next day, you sucked it up and you did it anyway. That comes from being from military training, her father was a Marine, and being doggedly determined. And there's a pride issue, a professionalism issue. We took that really seriously. Once the 80s were done and the 90s were done and I started listening to classic rock radio more often, which is what happens when you turn 30, I started getting into heart. And of course now I realize they were just as essential to my musical upbringing as any of the other women musicians I grew up with. And I got to tell Nancy Wilson all of that and I got to tell her that the guys always rated her as a guitar player ahead of being a hot girl, which made her laugh. Even Eddie Van Halen, whom she was friends with, rated her, and she told me they were keen on each other as friends because they were different from their peers, which allowed them to relate to each other on another level. And that's my snapshot of my experience interviewing Nancy Wilson. That interview is on spin.com and it is linked at picturesoflily.com. Our next episode is going to be one of our signature bloopers episodes, so make sure to tune in for that. From myself and my co-producer, director, editor, Lawrence Schroeder, thanks for listening. And if you have a chance to subscribe or follow the podcast on any of the podcast platforms, please do so and please rate and review. You can connect to us on picturesoflily.com and from there you can choose your preferred podcast platform or SoundCloud or YouTube or Pandora or Amazon. You can also find the playlists for the podcast episodes on Spotify and YouTube. It's so sad but...